0: Ladies and gentlemen, we
1: are live for Anime Sucker Radio!
2: Is brought to you by Lay's salt and vinegar. Thank you, Jeremy, for bringing a bag of chips today. Now well, you were jealous of my bag of chips. <laughs> no last green? Week.
3: Yeah, I had my green smoothie.
2: Yeah, you were all healthy last week. I'm <coughs> proud of you. You've gone back to the chips. Good on you. That's good living, right there. I'm feeling good, buddy. This is like the, This is an amazing show. I, I don't know how excited. You okay? You're dying. Yeah, I'm good
3: that. here. I'm what good. The
2: hell. Take it easy on that, these right? chips. Take it easy on that. You want water? No? Back massage? You're good? Um, I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty stoked about this show. Because as you can tell by the intro, we had Bruce Buffer introducing our little podcast.
3: That is because we have him on the show this week. Yeah. my god, my voice.
2: What is wrong with you right now? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Maybe don't talk. Just leave it to me, all right? Just go cough somewhere else go in the closet please we have Bruce buffer on the show he made a little bit of a mistake at UFC 159 I bet most of you have heard about that by now because everyone's talking about it you know what's so weird it's just that it's because he's never made that mistake before you know of calling the wrong winner
3: yeah he didn't make he made that mistake this card last mistake he called the co-main event the main event I don't know it's interesting
2: Bruce is maybe he's getting up there in age maybe he's he's going a little crazy. You know, maybe his his brain is not operating properly. Maybe it's all the martinis and women <laughs> are getting to his head. Have you? He, did you hear about that? I don't know if you asked him about it. I mean, I think we've read a little bit about it. Fighters Only was talking about how he's a bit of a. It's Fighters Only, that was right. Yeah, he yeah. was
3: him. He was on the cover of Fighters yeah. Only. He's a
2: bit of a playboy, apparently. I would be too if I was, you know, single and wealthy. I'd be would you?
3: Yeah? I mean, come on, who wouldn't? Models, <laughs> yeah. and, models, and martinis. In Vegas, come on. Models and martinis in Vegas, eh? I guess what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah. Does it, though? Sometimes (laughs) you bring back something. But anyway,
2: um, yeah, so we have Bruce Buffer on. But, man, even better, even bigger.
3: I wouldn't say better. No, not better, but bigger.
2: I mean, like, even better, like, you know, I mean, Bruce Buffer, awesome. But I'm, I'm excited about this next guest, you can tell. We have Tito Ortiz coming up in the show. Tito Ortiz, Tito freaking Ortiz, Huntington Beach bad boy, the people's champ, one of my favorites growing up, um, he's one of the guys I like to watch, one of the big reasons why I got into watching the sport, obviously, you know, Hoist Gracie had a lot to do with that too, but Tito Ortiz, I mean, come on, the guy was the man, he
3: paved the way for what the UFC is now,
2: yeah, absolutely, builder, now the only thing is though, we're going to interview him, and you know, we could probably ask him a million and one different questions,
3: only a million and one?
2: Maybe. But, I mean, the interview would probably go 10, 10 15 days. But uh, at least we will not go the way J.P. Lazaleta went from <laughs> MMASucka.com, who contributes for us from time to time. And he did an interview for us uh, with Tito Ortiz in Vancouver. Um, I guess, you know, you frame it here, Jeremy.
3: Yeah, well, he was it was a, a starstruck <laughs> moment, if you've ever heard of what that is. Starstruck, you're sort of looking at this guy, and you're like, Ah, my hero! And and JP just for the life of him, it, life for of him. for about thirty seconds, could not think of what question he, he was, was going to ask Tito. Yeah, uh, uh, uh. uh, uh we promise re- you we won't do that, but yeah. you got to have a listen, and and, yep. and here it is.
4: So what's wow? Well, other than that, um, as far as uh, sorry, I just
2: got to lost. Keep recording. Uh, <laughs> I just forgot the other question I had. Wait, okay, quick one here. So, uh, as far as uh, your, um, uh, as far
1: as your gym goes, what was uh, it's, it's, it's doing on well now? Yeah, actually, yeah.
2: gym's are really well. You know, I started. Um... Yeah, you know what? <laughs> it kind of reminds me of uh, Chris Farley. Remember Chris Farley on uh, Saturday Night Live? Yeah, yeah. He used to have like a little sketch where he used to interview like celebrities. Right? He goes, "Remember, rem- remember, you know that time that you sang on the the, the Beatles." That was, that's what that kind of reminds me of, <laughs> what J.P. Laszletta
3: did there with that interview. That just, was awesome. That's professionalism you get on MMASucker.com. Of course, you
2: edited that out, didn't you? Yeah, just, that,
3: was, that never made – the video itself made the site, that but was that part of the video never actually made that, it to yeah. com. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome, man. These chips are awesome. Anyway,
2: um, big, big show. Let's get right to it so you don't have to listen to our mugs talk anymore. Uh, you did a little interview with Bruce Buffer, like I said. And uh, I'm kind of jealous because I wanted to do that with you. But good job on on, uh, getting them. And uh, here it is.
4: I don't practice.
3: He's the voice inside the UFC's octagon. This man has called more fights than many of you have probably watched. He's Bruce Buffer. Bruce, thanks for joining us, man.
0: Hi, Jeremy. Thanks a lot for having me on. A pleasure.
3: Now, you know, the first thing I have to ask, obviously, because it's so fresh in people's minds and so many people are wondering what happened, you announced Jim Miller won the fight when clearly Pat Healy won by submission. Uh, what made you do that and what was going through your head and how did you feel when you made that mistake?
0: You know what, it's just uh, one of those things, I mean, everybody's human, I've announced probably, God, God only knows it, I've added up the primary of 3,000 fights, it's never happened. Um, it's just a human error mistake, you know, and there's really no excuse for it, because I'm the kind of guy that doesn't make excuses. So it's not that I try to hide anything, it's just when I started, it came out, um, it was a visual mistake more than anything, and... uh you know, I corrected it, and that's it. Exactly Perfect.
3: was it was it because you've said Jim Miller's won so many fights? Now that you've uh, called his fights,
0: <laughs> you know, people can conjecture all they want because you know it's it, you know in that situation it's kind of funny how it brings so much attention. But um, uh, basically, you know, Jim is a warrior; he's a great fighter, you know, in his own right. And it's not really about how many times I've announced him as a winner. It's not about the fact they both had red beards, as people said, or sponsored by the same people, or whatever similarities, you know, a couple of people pointed out. The bottom line is, is I just made a human error mistake. And sure. I'm the first one to admit it. And that's how, that's, you, know, that's how you deal with life. It's kind of like, you know, when you're in business and everything goes perfect for the longest period of time. We all love to have our streaks. And uh, you either are man enough to look in the mirror and say you made a mistake or you sit around and you're in denial and you don't learn from it. So like anybody else, even as experienced as I am, uh, what you witnessed was a moment in uh, my own and UFC history, so I hope you all enjoyed it.
3: Exactly. And and did the UFC brass, like Dana White and company and stuff, sort of razz you about it after the fact?
0: No. No, not at all. You know, we're, we're there doing a show. And when you're doing a live show, it's like uh, uh, Stuart Scott from ESPN, the broadcaster, sitting behind me. And, you know, he's a big fan of the UFC, a big supporter, and, and we're friends. And it's like, um, Bruce, it's not like I've never made a mistake. That's the first thing I of not so, you know, you have to realize when you're doing live TV and you do as much live TV traveling the world as we do. Uh, I'm surprised that I haven't made, you know, more mistakes over the years. But honestly, that's the first time it's ever happened. And like I said, I'd sit down and add it up. Exactly. Um, but, you know, it, it. let me put it this way. It doesn't matter to me what anybody says because I'm my own worst critic. So if you can understand where I'd come from there, then that means that I'll, I'll take care of my own uh, criticizing of myself. And, and admit to my mistake, and that's that's it. But it's corrected. Band bam got announced. We all had a little giggle, and life goes on.
3: For sure. Now let's let's get into your life a little bit here. For people that don't know, um, you're a black belt in uh, Tang Soo Do. Is that sort of how you got into calling fights and, and being really interested in mixed martial arts?
0: No, no. Uh, my interest in martial arts goes way back to the age of 12 uh, when I first entered judo and um, I studied Judo in Philadelphia, and then when I moved to Malibu was when I got into Tang Soo because because uh, Chuck Norris is very popular out here, and he had dojos uh, in the valley, and I studied under a couple of his black belts from his fighting team, and um, basically uh, Tang Soo was his first art, or his art initially, when he was in Korea in the Air Force, and it's the Korean art, with Taekwondo being the, the brother art. Um, so when I was out here, you know, it was all about being Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris, and you know, I studied hard, and uh, I lived in Malibu, and being a surfer, you know, everybody's very territorial, you know, fights everywhere, the whole bit, but I just had a love of martial arts, and I got into it, and then from there, um, the dojo point fighting world was, you know, it's fun, and definitely respectful, but if you really, you know, want to understand fighting, you got to learn what it's like to be hit, and so I wanted to go into the world of kickboxing, not to learn what it's like to be hit, I've been hit plenty of times, but I just really wanted to get into actually fighting, not point fighting, but real fighting. So I, I did kickboxing you know, pretty steadily, as I write in my book. You know, I detail all this until I was 32, and I had to stop, or I was basically forced to stop, by my doctors when I was concussed for the second time, which I thought was the second time. You know, God only knows could have been more, but it was a pretty bad one. And at that point, I had to make a very proper decision because my money was being made running my companies, yeah. and my love of martial arts and love of fighting was strictly why I trained. You know, five days a week, sparring every week, heavily the whole bit. I loved it. I look back on it. I I still love it. I'd like to do it today.
3: Wow, that's cool. That's cool. Now, you spoke about your book there. Your new book is out entitled What Else? Obviously, it's time. Um, Now's your chance to sort of just pimp the book a little bit and tell us why they should get it, why they should read it, and where they can get it from.
0: Well, the reviews that have been coming in, um, and you'll read more as time goes on, because the book's about to be released in uh, the United States and Canada on May 14th. And then... um, It's going to be released in the U.K., Australia, and New Zealand in June, and it's going to be released in Portuguese in Brazil by another publisher uh, in the end of July, August area. So basically, you know, I've been in this sport for 17 years, and getting back to your other question, when the UFC first came on the scene, my love of boxing, my love of martial arts, the fact my grandfather was champion of the world in boxing, i have been watching fighting with my dad, who was a big, tremendous influence on me through my life, teaching me, you know, uh, Fighting skills at early ages, into the point of studying in the martial arts, and um, we just our Saturday nights and Tuesday nights were spent watching boxing, you know, as kids. So when the UFC came on the scene, it, it really was a, a new thing for a lot of people. But I understood the arts, and I found it fascinating, and and just you know got into it. And then basically, uh, as I detail in the book, how I got the job was I actually managed a fighter named Scott Pitbull Ferrazzo in the U S eight and down in Puerto Rico and before I went down there I called the owner and said I'm coming because I knew Robert Meyerowitz who was the owner then yeah. um, because I've been working with the organization for a couple of years. I'd arranged for my brother Michael to announce a few of the events and then when he couldn't do it anymore um, they hired another announcer and then I thought you know what if I'm going to go into announcing which I always wanted to do the UFC is for me and that, that's where I envision myself being. It's like when you have a goal in life you, you can have an epiphany and see where you want to be. That was my world. That's, that's what I told myself. So how do I get the job? So I really detailed this in my book, but the bottom line, it started when I went down to UFC 8 and uh, I convinced them to let me announce the prelims. And then it took about a year and a half from that point to finally become the, what they call, you know, voice of the octagon on a steady basis after I co-starred the TV show Friends. Yeah. And the way, I, the way I got the job was the best poker hand I ever played, but I'm <laughs> going to save it. you can catch how it happened in the book.
3: <laughs> and now, why was now the right time to write the book?
0: Well, you know, with my podcast, with the uh, emails and everything I receive from, you know, these fantastic fans. I mean, I got to tell you, MMA fans are incredible and all over the world. And um, I really respect them. I I believe that the show is all about the fighters and it's all about the fans. It's not about me. It's not the fighters. And it's about the entertainment for the fans. And that's my attitude going into the show. So I get asked questions after questions because, you know, I've seen everything. I've been announced every UFC except for two for the last 16 years. Yeah behind the scenes, in front of the scenes. So that combined with the very uh, diversified life that I've led. You know, I'm 55 years old, know, i had uh, quite an enjoyable life, my life. And my family, I, I put a lot of personal heart uh, into this book. Uh, you're going to read things that you've never read before. You're going to uh, probably, when you read the book, you're going to see it different than what you envision the book to be. And the critics have called it. Uh, I'm just quoting them now. This is not me. <laughs> they they quoted a cracker of a book, inspirational, motivational. Uh, definitely has an emotional side. Um, it's tough. You know, it's just all in there. It's a story about life, love, and the pursuit of happiness, and about being the best you can be. So I wanted to write a book that was motivational, um, telling my story, and just basically telling it, uh, telling the truth. You know, there's no no strings pulled. It's all basically black and white. That's the way I am.
3: Yeah, can't wait to read it. Now you've called more fights than you know I can even count. I'm sure. Um, with the schedule of the UFC being so hectic now, I mean, we saw four fights, four events in the last four weeks with the UFC. How does that affect you personally?
0: Uh, it's not affecting. You know, it, the thing is, is that in my job, as in the other people that lead this kind of lifestyle that I lead, which is. I always kid, you know. It's like we always wanted to be James Bond as kids, you know. Now I get to be James Bond, but I don't have to kill anybody. What I mean by that is I get to travel the world, I get to see amazing events, I get to be part of this incredible machine, you know, called the UFC locomotive that's just streaming uphill you know, with incredible owners to work for and people to work for, and Dana White, Lorenzo, and Frank Fertitta. Who, as I always say, I mentally bow to them every time I see them because if it wasn't for them taking over the UFC, you and I would not even be having this interview. You know, the they basically a mixed martial arts would be dead in this country. That's yeah. my firm belief. Um, so with that being said, you know, I get to be on this great team and, you know, if you ask me what's the most tedious part of it all, it's the travel. Yeah, of course. Just because, you know, when you're on the road 33 or more weeks a year, just for this, not counting my other appearances uh, and the very things that I do, um, you're basically gone three to four days a week. So you have to arrange and, and coordinate your life as such, which is basically takes an effect on your personal life, your life with your family, your loved ones, your girlfriends, you know, relationships, all that kind of stuff. And uh, like any athlete, training for the big game or training for their weekly activity, it's the same thing here. It's almost like you become a traveling athlete. So I I know how to ride those planes and, and time my sleep and do everything I need to do. But don't cry for me, Argentina. As I say, I get to fly, you know, very well, and I'm taken very well care of. It's just a matter of staying healthy, staying in shape, and dealing with uh, what you have to deal with. For sure. Now bottom you're... line is the bottom, yeah. bottom line all the way. I've got one of the greatest jobs in the world. I wake up every morning, and I'm very humble and thankful for everything. I'm honored about it. Yes. So, you know, I get to the ground, enjoy my life, and I hope everybody out there gets to do that. I don't wake up and go to work. I wake up to live a lifestyle. Exactly. So it's life by the side.
3: Yeah, you're listening to Bruce Buffer here on MMA Sucker Radio. Just a couple more questions here for you, Bruce, before we let you go. Now, the Buffer 360 happened at UFC 100. You've said it won't happen again. Obviously, that was one of your most memorable nights um, doing that card. Other than that night, what's been the most memorable fight that you can recall that you've called?
0: You know, it's really hard to answer that question. It's like asking my favorite fighter because I probably forgot more than I can remember. You know, you got to realize that the number of fights that I've announced, the events that I've announced. Uh, but, you know, I have many memorable fights. And again, you know, in the book, <laughs> which, by the way, just a plug, I have to give you myself a little plug. Of course. For those of you out there, you can go to Amazon.com and pre-buy the book now. You can go to PremierCollectibles.com, which has an amazing leather-bound collectible signed edition. They're selling very inexpensively. Um, or you could just go to BufferZone.net, and you'll see all the different stores you can buy the book at. And I really thank you if you do decide to read, and and I hope you enjoy. Um, But in the book, you know, I detail many of the fights that I've seen that I thought were the greatest, but the bottom line is is that every time I see the greatest fight, what I think to be... let's just take an example. Mm
4: -hmm.
0: We all think, we all thought, Stephen, I think, that Stephen Bonner, Forrest Griffith's fight is definitely one of the greatest fights ever in the octagon. It was only a year or more ago that Shogun Hua and Danny Anderson put on one of the... another... Mm -hmm greatest fight I've ever seen is not the yeah. fight of the year in the octagon. And then two months later, suddenly another great fight happens. And another great fight. See, this is the whole thing. This exactly. is one of the reasons, that, many reasons I love our sport. I love working with the UFC because I'm a fan first. You know, that's bottom line, fan first. And we get to see all these great fights, and it's not like, oh, we'll never see that again. Well, you know what? Look what happened. There was another great fight, another great fight. There's so many great warriors that they have under. I'm sorry. There's so many great warriors that they have, you know, in their on their bench. Yeah. Um, and Silva being a great matchmaker that he is, he puts together these great fights. We're just we're just in store for so much entertainment.
3: For sure. I was really
0: fun to see John Jones toe get hurt because that just means that we're delayed to see that mega fight. All of us want to see whether it's going to be you know GSP or Anderson Silva, hopefully.
3: Yeah, and that was so, nasty. You
0: know, oh, it's very nasty. But as a fan, I'm like I'm hurting for John because yeah. you know he's a great kid and a good friend of mine and. I really you know, love the way the guy fights. Um, and at the same time as a fan, I'm bummed now because it's not going to be five months from now. God knows what's going to go on. With I hope it heals very quickly.
3: Yeah, now two more quick things. I know you got to get going here, but I read on Wikipedia that you're the official announcer of World Series of Beer Pong. Seriously?
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, whenever I announce something, they have a tendency to call me the voice of blah, blah, blah. But I will say that uh, the Beer Pong, they came at me about three or four years ago um, and I've done three other events, yeah, and they're you know a really great group of guys putting together a really fun event. to get about eight hundred or a thousand, you know, twenty somethings in there, you know, playing the beer pong. <laughs> and I just fly in to do the final match. That's all I do. I fly in and do the final match okay. to take great care of me. <laughs> so it's not like I'm doing every event. No, yeah. And when I walk out, you know, when I walk out, God knows if you know, everybody there is already three sheets to the wind. <laughs> you know, if we're drinking his published beer or not. But it's a fun gig. You walk out, you go crazy, I get the, the finalists a big championship introduction. You know, I'm I'm doing that for track and field in uh in Edmondson, Canada June wow. 29th, or um I've announced NASCAR, you know, I I've, I've announced football. I was with the Washington Redskins, put my image on the video trom before the kickoff. You know, I'm I'm a sports and entertainment announcer, but I mean first and foremost I'm the you know proud to say I'm the uh UFC announcer.
3: Now, before we but let you it's go... A fun,
0: it's a fun gig. You know, you, you don't turn down. you got to have fun in your life. Right? Exactly. I'm all about yeah. class. all about fun. And I never heard of beer pong, to be honest with you. I never saw it played until they called me. Are you a player and now? They sent me a table and the cups and everything. I haven't played it yet. But, yeah, I'm open to a game. I'm just on the road all the time. You know? <laughs> I, I got to get into a game of poker or see my family or, you know, see my girlfriend or whatever. I got to have some fun.
3: Perfect. He is Bruce Buffer. He's the voice of the Octagon. Thanks a lot, Bruce, and thanks for joining us.
0: Hey, thanks very much. I really appreciate it, Jeremy. Keep up the good work, and uh, thank you all you fans out there. I love all of you, and I, and I love how you love us. It's just its a great trade-off. We'll continue to work our butts off and make sure you have the best entertainment possible. So if you want to know about the book, also I'm giving away uh, free $500 personalized recordings. Sign books I uh, have a contest for such for all that pre-buy the book just go to bufferzone.net you get the information there or you can follow me on twitter at Bruce Buffer I'll make you out there also thanks Jeremy keep up the great work man keep it going
2: Is Bruce Puffer. Nice little interview, Jeremy. Nice. Very well done. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir.
4: <laughs>
3: what do we do now?
4: Uh, we what, probably, do,
3: what happens now, Jeremy? Well, that Mom? interview was great. You know, Bruce obviously Yeah, obviously I said that. He takes he takes some offense to, to himself okay. doing doing wrong in the fight, and you know, he had a bit of a blunder, yes. He he said that. Jim Miller won the fight when you know Pat Healy did. It wasn't because they both had red beards. It wasn't because he called Jim Miller winning so many times. It was just a human error. Yeah. Oh, when you're in front of millions of people like that, you know, you make
2: an error like that, and you haven't made an error in, like you said, in tons of years. Yeah. Other than. Yeah. Exactly. I guess. So. You know. Whatever, Bruce is still the man So was our awkward silence, that was pretty funny <laughs> We're just stare at each other, who wants to talk first? Huh? you do What thought is going <laughs> to come out of your head? You know what's awesome? Um, the fact that we have Tito Ortiz coming up next, I think that is, uh, I think that's pretty cool. It's, it will not be an awkward interview like J.P. Lazaletta's interview. Um, so, you know, enough talk. Let's, uh, let's bring on Tito Ortiz. Our next guest really needs no introduction. He is being called the Huntington Beach Bad Boy, the people's champ. He's probably called Dad quite a bit. He's hanging with us today on MMA Sucker Radio. Welcome to the show, former UFC light heavyweight champion of the world and UFC all Famer Tito
1: Ortiz. Tito, thanks for doing this. Yeah, without a doubt, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate
2: it. Hey, so i got to ask you, man. You're retired. You're living the retired life. Uh, you're still a young man, but, <laughs> uh, you know, you're retired, but you're still working, doing some other things. How has it been like? You know, you probably get a lot more time to spend with your family.
1: Yeah, I highly doubt it's called retirement. I think it's just uh, going from one chapter to the next. You know, um, so I don't have the train, so I'm not away from my kids. You know, now I'm pretty much a full-time dad. Uh, you know, I. it's hard. It's tough. You know, I get up at 6.30 every morning. I'm not a morning person, but I get up at 6.30 every morning, feed them, dress them, take them to school, go home take a little nap, and uh, go pick them up at 12. Then, um, uh, Having Andy come over for like four or five hours, go to the gym, sign checks, uh, <laughs> approve designs for punishment athletics, you know, approve designs and uh, all kinds of uh, different stuff for punishment nutrition, you know, and then uh, get as much work as I possibly can for the guys and girls who we uh, are clients for Primetime 360 for our management side of it. So I'm really not a So it's a lot of work and a lot of business and you know, that and trying to get time to teach classes on Tuesday and Thursday for the kids at Jeez. Punisher Training Center. So it's, it's work. It's very, a lot, a lot of work.
2: i got to ask you, though, taking your kids to school, do you get a lot of parents looking at you and coming up to you and stuff? It must be kind of funny.
1: No, yeah, it's cool. I mean, like I said, man, I'm like a super dad. It's, 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 <laughs> I love it. It's uh, Get little milestones with the kids. You know, uh, I just finally got potty trained with them. And no more diapers. You know, they just turned four, so... They did it with no problem at all. You know, it's been two weeks now. they just, uh, you got to support them, man. Tell them how much you love them every single day. and just just try to do the right things as a dad, and that's what I'm trying to do. But uh, at schools, and, you know, the, the kids' parents come up to me, and it really just uh, comes down to, you know, I, I'm an average guy. I just, I've worked hard to get where I am today, and, you know, I just try to support my kids as much as possible.
3: So have you gotten a phone call from the principal's office saying, uh, "Tito, your kids have uh, been using the double leg takedown quite a bit these days"?
1: <laughs> no, my kids know better. They don't do that. Journey gets my election. the son kind of looks like me. Journey, he he gets a little rough with kids, and one of the teachers kind of came up to me, so I had a conversation with him, and he stopped automatically. You know, uh, my kids are really, really respectful. You know, I, I treat them, I teach them a lot of. Uh, Respectful things, you know, positive reinforcements. Every every single week, we got a different word we use. You know, uh, the last word we uh, used actually is uh, presentation, and uh, the week prior to that was patience. And you know, trying to get all the p words in right now to kind of teach mm-hmm. them the right things. and next week going to be positive, and just try to do the right things. The father, man, you know, my, my mom and dad didn't do well for me, but I was able to learn from watching movies and. You know, just trying to be respectful, so I'm going to teach my kids the right way. Is martial arts something they're interested in? You know, my oldest son, Jacob, actually wrestles in grade school right now. And he came up to me and he says, Dad, I want to fight in the UFC. I just, like looked at him and go, Jacob, if you get your master's degree, you could fight. So by the time he finishes his master's degree, he, he won't be uh, wanting to fight, I don't think. But you never know. Um... I just, I mean, my deal I want to make with my kids is make sure they get their master's. You know, I'm going to be able to financially uh, support them to get their, you know, to get their bachelor's degree and hope for their master's degree. And uh, my son Jacob's 11, and he already knows. He's like, Dad, well, I'm going to get my master's in uh, business. and made me laugh because, you goes, know, then I can run your companies for you, Dad. <laughs> it made me laugh better. I'm doing the right things. You know, my ex-wife is doing an amazing job with my older son Jacob. So I'm just trying to follow, uh, and, you know, kind of her footsteps and, uh, you know, everything I thought that great dad would be as footsteps and do the same thing in my two with Jesse and Journey. Well,
2: let's talk about you for a second. Um, before we look forward, I want to ask you looking at your past fights, okay, win or lose, all right, which fight would you love to have back again? Like, which fight would you like to redo, actually?
1: I don't know how much time you got. It's <laughs> um, give me Give us one. <laughs> You know, first time, of course, the forest fight. The last forest fight, I just, I don't understand what the judges were looking at. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm beside myself. I I really, really, I was very angry. I mean, the judging, I mean, you drop a guy three times, you take a guy down five times, you grab a pound of each round. he never took you down, never dropped you, but he still won the fight. And for the first time in USC history, they scored attempts, or throw, or, it was a strikes attempted. I've never seen that in UFC history that they did strikes attempted. But, I mean, I think that's the number one fight that I think I would take back. But, like I say, uh, it was my last fight. Um, they say Warriors. are supposed to go out on a shield. Um, you know, I think I went out carrying my shield still. Um, I, you know, after, after the injuries I had prior to that, you know, I never used excuses after the fight saying oh, I was injured or not. No, I fought. I fought it the way I did, you know. Uh, nine weeks prior, I had uh, meniscus, 50% of it taken out, and I still got through the camp. You know, my uh, neck, I had a ruptured disc, and I still got through the camp, and I never looked for excuses. I went in, and I fought as hard as I possibly could, and I swung for the fences, you know, and I thought I won the fight. All my fans thought I won the fight, and, mm. you know, for forced to run out the way he did and the Dana had to go run after him, you know, it kind of made me, you know, start thinking, was there something going on that I didn't know about? And I looked at it, and I seen the way Joe Rogan was uh, broadcasting a fight, and it was kind of one-sided. And I watched, and he was like, What well, are those leg kicks, and just, they're tearing you those legs up. Well, that's kind of weird that I had a, I cracked the tip of my shin by checking all of those kicks, and I never had any bruises on my legs at all. And I don't know which fight they were watching, but it was a one-sided deal. You know, I'm the bad boy back then, and they're just trying to look, uh, you know, make me look bad as they always do. And... Yeah, uh, I just feel bad for my fans, man. I I went out as hard as I possibly could, and I fought as hard as I possibly could through my whole career. You know, the injuries, no matter what, no matter what the fighter has done, what I've done, and I, I just I'm thankful for the support that I get from the fans, and still get from the fans, and you know, they they're still looking for me to fight again, and you know, you never never know.
2: Your last fight though with Forrest at USC one one forty eight, um, you know, it was a war, like you said, you went out on your shield, um. Do you sort of, like, how it all ended with Forrest, you know, shitting on your sort of final moments in the octagon? I mean, have you forgiven him for that, or are you okay with it now?
1: Um, no, I'm not okay with it. No. Um, You know, it is what it is. Forrest, you know, maybe Forrest was in his right mind. You know, he was on testosterone. Um, you know, the, the, the type of therapy that's legal now, which is illegal in all other sports, I just don't understand it, how they can really – Allow a, uh, a fighter at our level to do that. I think they're sending a the wrong message out to the youth of so saying steroids are okay. Uh, but at the same time, I, uh, you know, I, you know, forgive and forget. You know, time time cures everything. Um, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to spend my life hating people, man. You know, life's too too good to hate. You know, I have my world to forget and forget, and it is what it is. You made mistakes, and that's horrors. Oh well.
3: How
2: difficult, like you know, looking back at your career, how difficult was it going from like like dominating champion, top of the sport for all those years, to a point in your career where you know, where the injuries piled up,
1: the losses were piling up.
2: I mean, what did you you know, what did that do to you mentally during that time?
1: Um, it really drained me. I mean, there was a lot of stuff in my relationship that drained me. Um, you know, the last six years of my career it was just injury after injury. I mean Maybe I maybe I should have hung up earlier. Uh, but I just you know I got to take care of my kids, man. I I fought the hardest I possibly could. You know the mental stuff I was going through, the physical stuff I was going through. You know having back surgery, having two neck surgeries, having knee surgery. Um, athletes in general, not just UFC guys or MMA guys, athletes in general, basketball, football, nothing like that. They don't come back. They really don't come back after. Um having those surgeries, and I just show how strong a mind can be and what a, the physical recovery a body can go through and still compete it just shows how strong my mind was how literally how mind strong I was to get through those and the injuries I was able to recover from. Um, I'm thankful I, you know I think there's an angel look- looking over me you know I think I just have some guardian angels looking over me and you know I was very successful over you know people don't realize yeah, I made a lot the fights I did, but I made more money in my last four fights than I did my whole career.
2: Mm. Wow. You know, it's funny, man, because you're a pioneer of the sport. You're one of the guys that built this sport to put the UFC where it is today. Would you ever look at the UFC today and say that, you know, maybe it's lost a little bit of that edge because, I mean, there's a lot of UFC shows on TV. And you remember back in the day watching a UFC event. I mean, that was an event, man. There was some edge to it, you know. Do you think some of that's been taken away with just, I guess, uh, you know, just the amount of shows that are on right now?
1: You know what, uh, yeah, I think it's a controlling side on UFC. You know, you look, and a lot of these stars, a lot of the champions, they're not stars, man. They're, they go in and they fight and they keep their mouth shut. Um, and that's it. You know, yes, it's being possibly more sport side of it uh, being respectful champions, but you, you got to think outside the box, man. Um, if you want to make a brand of yourself, you, you got to take advantage of the situation in front of you and think of it as a brand. A lot of these guys, they just go in and they fight, they keep their mouth shut. They win their world championships, and you don't hear about them until their next fight. They need to think outside the box and think of it as a business, and I think that's what Prime Time Three Hundred and Sixty, my management company, is trying to do. Now, we're going to do it with Chris Cyborg. You know, she just opened a gym in Brazil. We're trying to get her across, you know, around the world, uh, doing signings and get her out to the public so they understand. What type of person she sure truly is? She's a wonderful woman, man. and the more athletes we sign, we're going to do this. It's not strictly about getting guys fights or making as much money as possible for them, but really uh, think of their career as a whole. Of you know, gyms, supplement lines, clothing company. I mean, not getting sponsorship, but building them. And I think there's so many fighters that don't really recognize that because they're so close-minded and just thinking about the fights in general, and they don't think about what's going to happen when they're 40 years old. As I told Chuck Liddell, I mean, back in the day when we're Team Punishment, I go, Chuck, what are you going to do when we're retired, dude? He's like, I don't care, man. All I want to do is just, I want to fight. That's all I want to care I just want to fight. All right, well, what's going to happen when you're 40 years old, dude? What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And he never thought about that. And I always thought about that, and I always thought of myself as a brand. I always thought of myself as a business. Because at the end of the day, truthfully, every fighter is a business guy. That's it. It's a business acumen you've got to achieve. If you're thinking just about the fighting, you're going to be forgot. You're going to be lost amongst the 50,000 fighters that there is on the UFC roster or MMA in general. Um, and I think that's why I try to build this management company of doing this and helping guys out. Because over the last fifteen years, I've done, you know, fairly well for myself. But it just shows what hard work you can achieve. You know, just stay positive. Don't step on anybody. To get ahead and uh, just work as hard as possible. Because you got to think about the future.
2: Well, yeah, and you are where you are because you've always been a forward thinker. I mean, even just with the advertising on the shorts and whatnot. But just looking at, at MMA today as a whole, um, has it lost some of its excitement, do you think? Do you think things are just a little watered down?
1: I think so because, you look like I said, you look at guys, I mean, they're, they're as I said, they, they fight and then you don't hear nothing about them anymore. Um, guys want to hear storylines. They want to hear what, what they're doing, what, what's next for them, you know, are they going to do something else. They, fans need to fall in love with the fighters, as they do in boxing. Fans fall in love with the fighters. Yeah, you know UFC is yeah. UFC kind of controls the guys, so they're not outspoken. You know, um, you know if guys talk shit, cool. If guys don't, they're kind of just mingling with other guys. That's it. That's that's. I mean, you see Charles Sonnen <laughs> He just got a world championship fight against one of the best guys in the world. And he lost his last fight. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand that. I, but it just shows that if you talk the game, you're going to get the opportunities. He sells pay-per-view. I told Shell that after the first fight with Anderson, I go, do not lay off of them. Stick it to him as much as possible. Talk about it as much as possible. Because when you're talking, other people are talking. And if they're talking, you're going to make more money. And just think about this. When they stop talking, is we need to worry. And that guy ran with it like no other. And people hate them or they love them. But, like I said, as I told him, I just don't tell lies. Because when fans see the lies, that's when they start hating. And they won't like you at all. But if you tell the truth, maybe you know you've been this and been that around. But if you tell the truth all the whole time, they're like, wow, really? And they take it for, you know, a uh, respect value, I think. But uh, the last fight, I mean, I, I watched Chell against Bones. Uh, mm-hmm. you, when you talk the talk, you got to walk the walk. I mean, at least when I talked smack, I backed it up. You know, I I fought my ass off, you know. Um, besides Chuck, no one other person stopped me or submitted me. Um, I, I went out and I, I fought my ass off. I fought like no other. And, um, you know, I got split decision losses. I got, uh, you know, the, the fights that I fought as hard as I possibly can do. And, you know, split decision losses, you know, decision losses. It was just those things that... I went and I fought as much as I possibly could and as hard as I could. And I left to the judges sometimes I probably shouldn't have. And submissions of the and I probably shouldn't have. And it just, uh, you know, I fought my ass off. And I think Chell should have did the same thing too. And if you are got to talk the talk, you got to walk the walk.
2: That said, though, how cool would it have been if if at some point in your career you and Chell had a fight? I mean, just imagine the promo for that, you know?
1: Well, you know what? To tell you a little history between me and Chill, we actually wrestled against each other in college.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, he wrestled at Oregon State, I wrestled at the county Bakersfield, and on my birthday, that son of a bee, he actually pinned me on my birthday in like 45 seconds. He was a Greco Roman, you know, he wrestled for the Olympics for Greco Roman, and he hit me with a headlock and he pinned me on my birthday. And I ran stairs that night, I swear, for at least 35 minutes. And the next day, we wrestled against Oregon State, and the duel came down to my match. And I wrestled number 10th guy in the nation, and I pinned him. And I thought in my mind, it was like that hard work that I put in the day before after I got pinned. Most guys quit. Most guys will cry and go in the corner and just, like, feel sorry for me, whoa, whoa. But in my mind, I was like, no, I'm not going to be stopped. And uh, through my career, I've been that opportunity. I've had those things where I can say, whoa, whoa, the whoa is me, and, but I've always battled through but, I mean, I like Chill. I think Chill's an awesome guy. Um, you know, we have had a conversation before, and, you know, he's thanked me a few times, and I really, really like Chill. But if we would have fought, you know, he's 185 pounder. Yeah. I'm, I'm a 205 pounder. The size is different there's big, as you can see, against Johnny Burns Jones. But, yeah. hey, it's, well, we would still a great pay per view. Oh, at the God. same time, you know, like I said, I, I like Chill, but it's competition. I guess I'd go back to him on my birthday when he stuck me that <laughs> I would actually. Take that hatred and take
2: it out of him. <laughs> dude. You got the itch though to get back in there. I mean, I know you say you're retired, but what would it take to get you into a legends fight? Like, who? What kind of opponent would it take for you to get into a legends fight and get in there one more time?
1: I think Forrest owes me. I really do. I think he, he owes me, I think he owes the fans. And you know, I thought about this one. You know, um, before I got my next surgery, I said no possible way. After I got my next surgery, you know, Doctor Williams did an amazing job. Um, I gotta get knee surgery next week. I get A C L replacement, meniscus replacement. Um, I just gotta see how I heal up. You know, my neck's almost hundred percent now, it's probably about ninety percent. Um, I just gotta see how I heal up. You know, I I just turned thirty eight and I, I feel pretty young, you know, mentally I'm still here. You know, I've never been hurt seriously bad, you know, with my head, any type of contusion or anything. Um, you know, I I speak fairly well you know i could finish my sins with complete senses so i um uh, you know I, I i don't know man i've i've thought about this I and mean, it just crossed my mind you know now that i'm single you know now i'm a single father um i you know i still got to support my children um i i thought about this would where do it, i go though <laughs> yeah would it be in would it be in the ufc i mean would that be ever a possibility I've, I don't know. I guess I'd have to sit down with Lorenzo, you know, and, and see yeah. if it made sense to them. You know, they they hate me so much. I just I don't know if it would be with them. But you know, do I do my own promotion? You know, do I join up with somebody else and take a bigger, bigger chunk? Awesome, but awesome. I, I don't know. I I mean that 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 time hasn't even came close. As in, I mean, it came an idea, but that time hasn't even come close to even think about sitting down with somebody. Right now, I just got to take care of my knee surgery, and I got to take care of my children. My kids depend on me, and that's it right now. And I'm just trying to do the best thing I possibly can and uh, just be a great parent, you know, be responsible and just do the right things. And um, It really comes down to what the future holds for me. Uh, I want to have fun this summer, man. (laughs) I haven't had a summer off in a long, 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 long time. And I want to have fun this summer, you know, take my kids fishing and stuff and enjoy myself for a summer. I need it. This is a uh, a vacation that I made over the last fifteen years, I think. <laughs> so
2: UFC's kind of pissed at you. You're saying, is it because of the whole cyborg thing? Uh,
1: I don't know. That was just a that was just a business deal, you know. I this last fight, she made triple the money she would have made in two of her fights with UFC. She made great money, amazing money. And I was happy with it, and it was a business decision. It was nothing personal at all. It was strictly business. That was all it was, and. They, they didn't have any future for her. They said, well, we'll sign an eight-fight deal and uh, we'll see where she lies. <laughs> I can't do that for my my client. No way. We signed a three-fight deal. She fights the number one, or excuse me, number two contender, which ended up dropping out. She fought someone else, stopped her in two minutes. Now she fights for the title against, uh, uh was it? Marcella, Marcella Mar- 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 Cohen?
3: Marcella Coonan. Yeah,
1: Marcella Coonan, yeah. Marcella Coonan. she you fight for the world title yeah. and then she'll have one title defense and her contract will be done or we you renegotiate? Um, and, I mean, like I said, her last fight, she made amazing money. She got guaranteed money, no win-lose money. It was guaranteed money, and she got a big chunk of view. I mean, it was great. I mean, I, I did a great job on my side of it, and it was just one of those things that uh, I got to look out for her future. You know, when she came to me, she was Altito, I became the world champion, and the only thing that changed was I had a leather belt, with a gold medallion on it on my waist. That's the only thing that changed. I was like, what do you mean? She goes, I still live in an apartment. I still drive a truck. (laughs) Nothing else changed in my life. My bank account never changed. I said, well, I'm not going to promise you anything, but I'm going to give you every opportunity in the world to make that money. Mm. And I think I've done that. And she's this last camp, she was like, you know, this is the best camp I've ever had in my life. And, you know, I helped her with the wrestling training. I helped her with some other training. Uh, We got her a great team around her with, uh, you know, uh, Jason Perillo, um, she had a lot of guys, that she worked with jiu Jitsu, and she was like, this is the most positive environment I've ever been around in any of my camps, and I'm very, very thankful to have you guys, and I think I did my job really well. You know, she she came in, and she fought her butt off, and, you know, she... I'm telling you, I watched this girl spar, and she got the whole back on her sparring partners. Like, she is mean. I mean, this girl is... <laughs> Well, she's Brazilian, man. She's mean, mean, mean. I mean, I, I watch her, and she's like, she'll get punched just to kind of get mad at me and kill the chick she's born with. Would you Have you gotten in there with her at all? You hit you? Um, I wrestled I wrestled a little bit with her. uh mean, like, you know, um, Well, right now I can't because I, I have uh, I just recovered from neck surgery. Um, I'm going to get knee surgery now, so it takes about a month to recover from that. Yeah. But uh, prior I did, after I had my back surgery, I did jiu-jitsu with her, a little bit of wrestle with her, and... I was the first girl that actually defended my shot. and I was like, wow, this girl's really, really good. And then when I started my management company, she came to me and says, well, you manage me. I was like, of course I will. You're one of the baddest girls on the planet. And people try to sit there and say how bad Rhonda is.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm telling you, Rhonda won't make it out of a round with her. I guarantee you she will not make it out of a round with her. Everybody thinks that Chris is a striker and that's it. I watch her do jiu-jitsu, and she literally looks like a black belt, dude. I, I watch her, and she, her positioning is really, really good. You know, and Ronda is, is a submission girl. And that usually gets thrown out of the window when you get punched in the face or get elbowed in the face or knee in the face. And that's what makes uh, Chris so dangerous. You know, she's like Evangeline Silva in his prime. Yeah, Dangerous, young, fast, strong, great position, great striking. And she hits, like, a ton of bricks. I mean, I watch her drop. Sparring partner at the sparring partner, I got sick of calling sparring partners because no one wanna show up. So Tito, when let's
2: let's make this fight happen. Ronda Rousey and, and Cyborg Santos, what do we gotta do? And is it gonna take the UFC to introduce a you know, a different weight class and, and maybe a few more wins for Rousey where she gets bored with that weight class for for it to happen?
1: I think so. You know, her making one thirty five, she's never gotten that low in her whole life. Uh, this last weight cut of her getting down to one forty five it was a little bit easier, but it was still tough. You know, we I helped her make the weight, and it, it was still challenging for her. Um, you know, she's like, you know, I've always had problems making one, 145. I've always had problems. I'm telling you, it would be impossible to make 135, and I see that, especially for a woman. You know, um, I, I have a lot of respect for Dana now after, you know, I, I read an interview, he was talking about adding more weight classes to the women's division. Um, and, and it's great to see. You know, he went from saying women's don't have no reason – or even no idea of being in the UFC because we're not going to do any type of uh, girls division in UFC to all of a sudden signing um, Ronda Rousey and adding in 135-pound weight class and now doing the ultimate fighter. And I was like, this is awesome. And all of a sudden him talking about doing other weight classes now, that is great just to see. I'm glad he's doing that. And, uh, you know, I would like to see uh, Chris compete at 145 there. There's a lot of girls at a weight class. And you watch Invicta, you know Shannon actually is doing an amazing job with Invicta, um, and it's growing. It's growing really, really fast. You know, I did. I know they did really well on uh, was it online uh, pay-per-view sales. So it's just one of those things that's just growing and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And and I think the people, uh, excuse me, the competitors that do the best fight are women. They yeah. put on an amazing fight. I mean, you you look at uh, Ronda's last fight and. It was very impressive. I mean, you saw a girl defend a uh, submission and end up beating the hell out of that girl and, and getting a submission herself. It just shows that women are there to prove something. You know, they're not there just to win the match. They want to prove and show the world that, you know, women's MMA is here to stand.
2: And that's exactly why, you know, Primetime 360, you guys went after summer. You, you see the future that this sport, women's MMA is growing fast. It's exciting. And why not get behind one of the best, right?
1: Exactly, I and mean, you know we're, we're uh, you know we signed another girl, uh, Jessica Penn, It um, was the who lost her title, but you know she said she was really nervous, and it it is what it is. You know I look for excuse for my client. She said she really wants to get back for a title hunt, so she's taking one more fight in July without taking a break, and uh, we're just looking for other uh, athletes to our women athletes also to represent and and give her the you know the best. Uh, platform to promote themselves and we're going to help promote them you know i'm going to put my brand on them and i'm going to promote as much as i possibly can by doing interviews and going outside the box of of making it happen for them and other guy fighters too
2: yeah exactly man um and that's you know big things are coming for you with that man like i said you've always been a forward thinker um last question here for you uh will there be another t Ortiz book because i mean there's still a lot more chapters
1: you know what i mean uh, I I left it open ended just for that reason. You know, um, I actually when I wrote the book, uh, I got finished it when I was thirty one, and since thirty one till now,
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's more stuff that has happened in my life that is the most craziest, unrealistic stuff that people are gonna like. Go, oh, are you serious? Stuff that is the truth. The stuff that has happened that people would either kill themselves or go to prison or have a drug addiction. (laughs) And I was able to do it with my head on my shoulders, with respect, with integrity um, on all levels, you know, uh, relationship-wise, business-wise, fight game, as a father. um, Like I say, integrity is a big word in my my, uh, vocabulary that I really stick to. And, uh, you know, being a respectful father, you know, I have three boys that – I support you know one hundred percent, and and um, you know my fight career. I made a lot of great decisions, you know. Maybe some bad decisions I probably shouldn't have did, but I I just was defending myself the only way I knew how to do. No one ever taught me. I did everything on my mo- my own um, decisions, on my own experiences that I lived through life, and that was the only way I did it. You know, um,
0: I never had a manager
1: um, besides Dana White. You know, I may have had a couple guys that helped me get to the point, uh, but all the decisions I made were on my own. And maybe I made some bad decisions, but I made some decisions at the end of the day that uh, made me defend myself. It was, you know, I, I can never trust anybody in my whole life. And all of a sudden, from after my last book was done, that's the only way I knew how to survive. And it was a survival mode for me. That's all I knew how to do. And I think my second book will be amazing because the stuff I went through and the stuff I was able to achieve to this point and how my life has ended up over the last six months, it's just I, I'm, I'm wowing myself. I just, every day I wake up and I try to be as positive as possible and just try to give an environment for my children that I never had as a kid, and, and that's my main goal in life is, is to achieve great things and hopefully spread the word where people listen, you know, knowing that they're not alone, doing stuff alone, that people can do it, at any level, and achieve greatness. And I think I've done it. Um, you know, self fulfilling prophecy, they say. you just got to believe in it, and you got to make it happen. And don't mm-hmm. think of it any other, any other way, and don't listen to the other people who try to hate on you, and just believe in your dream and never stop.
2: Okay, one last thing before we let you we do this, all our, be- our our big guests that we bring on. Um, it's, it's called the Sucker Rundown. When we say a name or topic, you give us the first word or thought that comes into your mind, just completely on the fly. You ready? Yep. All right, here we go. Sucker rundow
3: Sucker
2: rundown First one. Dana White. Great businessman. All right, number two, Ken Shamrock.
1: Woo-hoo. I like Ken a lot, man. People understand. I really, really like Ken a lot. He, he, he's made me a lot of money. Um, Hall of Famer, fatherhood, hard work.
2: Hmm. Uh, musician you listen to the most right now?
1: Um, right now, um, I'd say Swedish House Mafia. All right.
2: Favorite TV show when you have time to watch TV?
1: Favorite TV show that I watch? Wow. Um, you a Game, Game of, of Thrones, Thrones guy? What's that? Are you into Game of Thrones at all, or you know? No, I just see that's one of the things. It's like I, I I have my kids, and it's like I'm in bed by eleven. I'm up by six thirty. Um, all right, here we go. SpongeBob. There we
2: go. I was, <laughs> I was just gonna, gonna say something say. probably Nickelodeon. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Brock, yeah, SpongeBob. Yeah,
1: Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Uh, smart guy. I think that's the only guy that could come in and get a world title after one fight and, and make as much money as he did. I think he, he was smart by coming in and, and making really, really good money and stepping out and getting right back in the WWE. All
2: right, last two. T. Ortiz.
0: Wow, me. <laughs> um.
1: <laughs> huh. I know I That's a good one. All right. You got God, some... it. I don't I got I g I I don't know, I wanna I mean God. <laughs> I don't think about myself. I don't know. I'm I'm so I'm so damn I don't well, I'm think just about
2: think, uh, myself ever. I'm, we'll just call uh, you uh forward thinker, pioneer, you know what I mean?
1: I'll there you go, you. pioneer. Legend. There you go, pioneer legend. Absolutely. Pioneer.
2: Yeah. Last okay, one. Legend legend. Last one, Punishment Athletics.
1: A brand that's building that'll take over the MMA world. Dude, that's awesome, man. We really appreciate you
2: doing this. And just let people know where they can, uh, you know, like you've been talking about a lot of your endeavors, just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe and and, uh, shout out some Punishment.
1: Yeah, of course. uh, Of course my clothing company, No Punishment Athletics. People go to Punishment.com. Uh, of course, they go on Twitter um, at Tito Ortiz um, on Instagram, which is Tito Ortiz nineteen ninety nine, which I started Punishment Athletics. Uh, of course, my nutrition line, Punishment Nutrition, uh, Primetime three hundred and sixty, um, and Punishment Fight Gear.
2: Um,
1: you know, I, I just have all these businesses that I started, and I'm just you know, it's all an umbrella. Punishment. Everybody goes through. Through life of punishment. If you want to be the best in the world, you've got to get through punishment mentally, physically to become the best. And that's what brands punishment in general for life. No matter what walks of life you do, or excuse me, what work of life you do, is either you're a business guy and you wake up at 6 in the morning or 5 in the morning and you bust your butt for 12 hour days, or you get in the gym and you do 8 hour days, it's punishment. You know, when you hit that alarm clock, you're like, why do I do this? It's to be successful. If you want to be successful, you got to endure punishment.
2: All right, Tito, we really appreciate you doing this, and just
1: uh, let people give a shout out to your Twitter, by the way. Yeah, Twitter, of course, is at Tito Ortiz. You know, I'm up to about uh, almost four hundred thousand followers, yeah. and uh, I got some great fans. And I'm just trying to build my social media. Man, social media is very important. I wish I would have had that when uh, when <laughs> yeah. I bought. You know, every, everything I did was strictly by emails, and I answer my own emails. I do my own Twitter. I do my own Facebook. You know, I do my own Instagram. I do everything myself, man. That keeps me busy, and it keeps it real, and I answer my own emails. I answer my fans. I don't have anybody else doing it. It's me doing it, and I think that's what makes me so real. I've always been my guy to my fans. I've always been hands-on with my fans, and, I mean, that's what separates me from the rest, I think. I just try to be real and try to be honest, and, you know, like I say, I don't step anybody to get ahead and always reach down to help those as I come it up myself.
2: That would be funny if you had uh, Twitter back in the early 2000s. I uh, that yeah, that'd awesome, that
1: would have been awesome, dude. That would have been scary, actually, because I would have said like how it was like no other, and people would have probably hated me more. I was, I was a young punk kid back in the day. Well, Tito, nobody hates you.
2: Uh, everyone freaking loves you, man. Like you said, uh, you're a legend. You're a pioneer, and we really appreciate having you on. And uh, all the best to your future endeavors. I want to see you in the cage one more time. you got to do it. I don't like the way you went out the last time. you got to do it again.
1: Well, you never know. You know, I like I said, you can never say no. You never know. All right, Tito, thanks a lot for doing this. Awesome, guys! Thank you so much for the show. I appreciate it.
2: Great interview. Apologize for the audio, everybody. I sound like the Tin Man,
3: Jeremy. <laughs> if I only had a heart, or or if we were in an extremely big and hollow cave room thing. Remember, we used to be in one of those. Yeah, we used and, to we used to do the show out of like a gym. And every so often, there would be sirens going by. <laughs> Cause it was echo. on a main street, right? And yeah. It's pretty funny. Weird echo in that room. Like
2: that—that was—that was very tinny, but a very good interview. A lot, 35 minutes. That was awesome. I could keep talking to him. Like I said, we had a million and one different questions to ask him. And uh, we want to thank Tito Ortiz for coming on and uh, opening up. I mean, it sounds like
3: he's keeping the door open for a return to the cage. Do you not think? I do think, and yeah, and if if it's against anyone, it's going to be against Forrest Griffin, from the sounds of it. Speaking of uh, returning to the cage, UFC 159, we have John
2: Jones, Jail Sonnen, and well, most people know the results by now. Jail lost, and uh, John Jones beat him to a pulp, and he beat his toe to a pulp as well. Yeah, yeah, John Jones' toe is a pretty nasty picture. Um, he, I guess he, he broke it when he was pushing off. Yeah, that's what, the, that's what the, the
3: the GIF looked like, or the GIF, yep. or whatever you want to call it. That's what it looked like. looked like he was pushing away, and, and his toe just sort of went the other way. Just like that. Made that
2: noise, too. Um, but speaking of comebacks, Chael Son apparently not going to retire. He wants another fight in the UFC, and apparently he wants it against Wanderlei uh, Silva.
3: Yeah, these two have had quite the beef for for, for some time now, um, you know, with all the, the talk Chael did when he was talking about Brazil and all that other stuff, Vanderlei didn't really take that too uh, too lightly. How much do you want to bet that that's going to be in Japan? Better as hell not be in Brazil.
2: No. Oh, yeah, you know, that, it could be in Brazil. I I would, I mean, I
3: would be pretty good. Vanderlei Silva, Chael Sun in Brazil, I think they'll be in Japan. it were to happen yeah yeah it it would be something for the ages that's for sure it would be hyped up immensely as all chel sonnen's matches are what else on that card um a lot of people complained about the card it was very mysterious with some things the michael bisping alan belcher fight obviously the way it ended was interesting the poke to the eye alan belcher had to get um, some stitches done on it but there was an eerie voice in between rounds during that fight as well, which I don't know if you've caught the clip of it, but it was—it sounded very satanic, the—the the echoey voice that was, like avoided. the one that I did with Tito Ortiz. Yeah, it was sort of like that actually. No, but like was there seriously? I never heard of this. What yeah. are you talking about? It, it, you never heard the echoey voice? Maybe we should play it.
2: Okay, you have it with UK. You find it, just play it.
3: So you, yeah, you get it.
2: Uh I guess so. Alan Belcher didn't look very good though. But I don't know if it was Satan. That did it
3: to him. <laughs> I don't know. He looked like junk, but, but you know who looked good? You do. Roy Big Country Nelson. Holy shit. I don't know if he looks good, but he uh, he knocked somebody out again. That's four knockouts in the last five fights. That was pretty crazy. He's uh, You know what got me, actually, here? They, they said, you know, Dana White said that him and Joe Silva were talking, and Roy Nelson could get either Mark Hunt or um, who was the other guy that he mentioned? Do you remember? Mark, Mark Hunt. Or someone else. But Mark Hunt doesn't make sense to me, because if Mark Hunt beat Junior De San- beats Junior DeSantos, then uh, he shouldn't be fighting Roy Nelson next.
2: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I, I guess uh, Roy Nelson, he called out the winner. Actually, he wants Daniel Cormier was the other Yeah, name. Daniel Cormier was the other one. Yeah, thank you. Brain fart there. Um, but uh, Roy Nelson said after his fight that uh, you know the UFC lines him up. He knocks him down, and he wants uh, the winner of uh, of
3: uh, Velasquez uh, Silva. Be an interesting tussle.
2: Yeah, uh, would it though? I don't know. I uh, I don't think the UFC really wants to put Roy Nelson in a main event heavyweight title fight. Do you? Uh,
3: I I mean, I know he's a good story, like but
2: I mean, really, do you want Roy Nelson to be selling pay per views? I know he's a, fans love him. I guess in some ways it'd be a good story, but I don't know. I I don't think Roy Nelson could beat the likes of a of a Cain Velasquez if it ever came down to it, or even a Junior DeSantos.
3: Santos. No, and he's fought Junior Dos Santos already, and yeah, and so, he I got mean, beat up, but he didn't get knocked out. It was pretty crazy.
2: Yeah, so I think there's a certain level that he can get to in the heavyweight division, and I don't think it's a title shot. But hey, I mean, uh, would you like to see him fight Daniel Cormier? Mm, I, I mean, if Daniel Cormier decides personally... to stay in the heavyweight division, he's sure as hell not going to fight. You know, if Cain Velasquez were to retain his title, he's sure as hell not going to fight Cain Velasquez.
3: No, I personally would like to see him drop down to two hundred five because he's a smaller heavyweight. His body frame, if he lost some pounds, would be it'd be an easy cut down to two hundred five. And he's fast. He'd be very. It'd be a different sort of level for him to fight at two hundred five. Also on the card, Pat Healy, who was on our show last week, he was fighting Jim Miller. This is the
2: the 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 fight where Bruce Buffer got the the wrong winner, but Pat Healy clearly uh, won the fight. Where, but what a fight! I mean, that, that was one of, definitely fight of the night in my opinion, and a lot of other people's opinion. That uh, you know, I don't know what do you do with Jim Miller at this point, man. Here, the guy was a contender, and now. Has kind of fallen off the radar a little bit with the loss to Pat Healy, but Pat Healy looked solid. I mean, I was really
3: surprised. He looked really good. Do you give him Gilbert Melendez now?
2: I why not? Might as well. I mean, I mean, you probably should fight a guy who's coming off a win, but maybe. Let's but just, that was but, a
3: very close fight. So yeah, I mean, giving I, I understand him that, what you're it, saying. That would line up the next lightweight champion you know what Let's I mean do it
2: do it now yeah absolutely Gilbert Melendez and, and Pat Healy I think that's a great matchup they were supposed to do it twice before didn't happen so
3: make it happen now why not hey you're on to something Jeremy you know who else, who else looked good with she, uh, Sarah McMahon wow are do you think do you honestly think they're setting her up to fight um, Ronda Rousey I don't think that it's going to happen right away I can't see that happening because it's Ronda's not going to fight until the end of the year against Cat Zingano because of the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, pretty it's sure be a they're going. I'm pretty sure that I, I don't know. They're going to have Sarah McMahon fight someone else, or if not, if they're lining her up to fight Ronda Rousey, do you think they'll make a big enough stipulation to say, you know what, you're fighting Ronda Rousey next, you got to sit out this long?
2: No, no, no. I think she'll have another fight. Definitely another fight. You got to give her. You got to keep promoting her in the UFC. Because, I mean, if she, if they give her another fight, she gets the win. Um, then you're really starting to push another, you know, undefeated Olympic, you know, silver medalist. Somebody who, you know, is going against another, you know, undefeated Olympic bronze medalist and Rousey. It's, there's a lot of promotion there. They know that that's a next big pay-per-view. And or even just another big, you know, maybe another Fox Network uh, fight. But without, you know, going too far ahead. I definitely think Sarah McMahon will get another fight. I mean, I don't know who it would be right now, but, um, you know, I think she looked great, man. You know what? And she used her wrestling. She looked very similar, you know, kind of like GSP. Yeah. Except Sarah finished the fight.
3: (laughs) Anything else on this card you want to touch on before I make one other uh, comment about something else?
2: It was just a weird card altogether. I mean, I I didn't mind it. A lot of people are kind of, you know, bitching about it or kind of slamming a little bit, saying it was kind of ho-hum. I don't know if it was ho-hum. They had its moments. I mean... You gotta remember, there's like what? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 fights on a card, right? Most 11 part. fights on this card. 11, 12 on most cards. So, not everyone's gonna be a barn burner, but I mean, there's just some weird things that happen. It's just gonna be, and that's kind of the charm of the whole thing, of the whole UFC 159 that will be remembered for is having, you know, ghosts in the machine. Exactly. Like
3: yes. At the UFC 159 post fight press conference, Dana White mentioned that. He received a phone call from the likes of Anderson Silva requesting his next opponent. The weird thing is he didn't mention who it was going to be against. He didn't mention that Mm. he was asking for John Jones. Many people are speculating that Anderson's asking for George. No, Um,
2: no, I think it was John Jones.
3: Do you? John Jones does not want to fight Anderson Silva. He's been asking for Alexander Gustafson.
2: I've heard somewhere that, uh, I don't know where I read it, but someone was alluding that it was actually John Jones. Dana White actually did admit that it was John Jones. Did he not? I read somewhere, but maybe I'm wrong. But I would assume it's John Jones. You're going to call Dana White right after John Jones beats the crap out of Chael Sonnen. Like, right after. I'm sure as hell he's not phoning at that exact moment to say, Hey, I'd like to fight George St. Pierre. You know, You're phoning speaking because he's in George's ex-
3: accent.
2: <laughs> no, I was trying to do Anderson Silva there. I was trying to do... I can't. Anyway, I'm sure as hell thinking that he called Dana White... Right after that fight, because he was pumped, he's like, "I want to fight that guy, John Jones. Let's do it." I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards that.
3: Yeah, he he phoned him and asked for a super fight. He didn't ask he, Dana White didn't mention who the super fight was against. He simply said Anderson asked for a super fight following UFC 159. So obviously, you know, conclusions are made that it's going to be against John Jones.
2: I don't think it's going to be against George. I mean, we keep talking about this keep talking about super fights and it just they aren't gonna happen it seems like it's
3: just how long do we have to wait here like it's just make it happen do you think John Jones wants to do it doesn't sound like it it sounds like he wants to fight uh Alexander Gustafson next Ah, uh, why I mean I don't know and like... supposedly next in line for Jones is actually leota Machida, but with mm. Jones, with yes it is actually well, I know that, but but I don't... without with with Jones being out because of his foot there's no way he's gonna be back in 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 at least a few months. That's right. Um, they are, they're make... going to throw Machida versus Gustafson. Yes. I was just going to say that. Yes, but you didn't because you had chips in your mouth.
2: Machita versus Gustafson uh, should happen first. Absolutely. Because, like you said, John Jones is out for a while. And then let's have Anderson Silva, John Jones. I don't really care about let's Let's, let's have the super fight now. Let's do it now. I'm tired of this talk. Just make it happen. Make it happen, <laughs> UFC. There.
3: I think they heard me. Yeah, they must have.
2: Anything else? UFC
3: 159? No. no, Nothing else. Anything looking forward at all that you're, you know, coming up? Uh, Nothing in the not-so-distant future, no. What is the next UFC card? Is it UFC on FX? Yep. Belfort uh, vs Rocco In Brazil. Should be a good one. Um, May
2: 19th. That's a ways away to wait.
3: Yes, it is. And the next pay-per-view is not until the 25th of May. So there's some stuff in between. Maximum Fighting Championships has a card coming up. Next mm-hmm. weekend, I believe. Um, you know, there's the event where Fallon Fox is fighting, I believe, as well. Oh, that's, that's, I'm going to watch that. I'm, Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so. I'm
2: going to watch watch him, her fight. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm not really, are you? I'll, is prob- it really, th- I'll probably it, tune in. They've built it up enough. You
2: think that's why? I mean, well of course. That's They want everyone to tune in because look at the freak show.
3: Well, yeah, yeah. That's how
2: they're promoting. I mean, come on. That's why they they put her on, him,
3: her on there. Should they? She's fought on their card already. So. I know, but, I mean, people are going to be interested for that for her. Yeah. Yes, of course. Exactly. Not the main what event. What do they call? Not the main event between Mike Kyle and uh, Valentin Overeem. Don't want to see that one? No. <laughs> no, it's just, I don't know.
2: Really? Are we done with that topic yet? Yeah, I actually
3: think we're almost done with the show.
2: Oh, okay. Uh, people are still talking about Fallon Fox. I'm just tired of it. Yeah, I just shouldn't be fighting chicks, is my opinion. There we go. End of the story. End of our show. We want to thank T.O. Ortiz for coming on. Bruce Buffer for joining us and talking about why he's the man. I'd like to thank the Tin Man. The Tin Man who wishes he only had a heart. And uh, Punishment Athletics. Make sure you guys check them out. Go to their website. Check them out on Twitter. Check them out on Facebook. Go to their website
3: at PunishmentAthletics.com. That's PunishmentAthletics.com got some cool gear we'll have a coupon code uh, up on the site for you guys to get some uh, percentage off yeah percentage off some clothing I'm looking at the site
2: right now some nice you know one thing about punishment that Tito's really done like I mean obviously he's promoting the women and and being a manager of of one of the best women fighters out there but he's got some good women's gear like the the girls kick ass shirt and uh, you can't break me girl shirt I think it's some he's got great models on here too <laughs> <laughs> Modeling all the all the stuff. That's sure. Anyway, go punishment PunishmentAthletics.com. Again, thank you, Tito. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you everybody for listening. And just to let you know, you can listen to us on Stitcher. iTunes, we're on iTunes again? We Jared? are on iTunes. Son of a gun. Thank goodness. And uh where else? I think that's about it. Please all right. See you later.
4: I'm Chris Farley and my guest tonight is one of the greatest musicians. Rock musicians, I guess, I guess, songwriter, ever. God, God, it sounds so
3: stupid.
4: Man, idiot. I never know how to start these things. You're doing great, Chris. Really? No, I'm not. Anyway, I guess I I didn't need to say anything, because, I mean... Everyone knows who, who you are. You're Paul McCartney. It's a pleasure to join you, Chris. You remember when you went in the Beatles? Yeah, sure. God, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was. OK. Uh. Oh, um, remember when you uh, went to Japan and uh, at the airport they arrested you because uh, you had some pot and uh, it was not all the papers and all that? Well, to be honest, Chris, I'd kind of like to
0: forget all that.
4: Uh, idiot! God, so stupid. What a dumb question. Oh, no, Chris, listen. This- I get asked that in all my interviews. Um, Maria Shriver just asked the same question last week. Uh, really? Did, did you know that she's married to Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> did you see Terminator? No, I missed that one. Uh, that was an awesome flick. Yeah. Okay. Oh, remember when you were with the Beatles, and, and you were supposed to be dead, and uh, there were all these clues, like uh, you'd play some song backward, and it said, Paul is dead, and er- everyone thought you were dead? Yeah. That, that was just a hoax, right? Yeah, I wasn't really dead. Right. Um, remember Beatlemania? Where those where those four guys on stage and they look like you and and uh, they played Beatles songs. Yeah, I heard about (laughs) that. That was almost as awesome. (laughs) Um, did did you meet the guy that played you or? Mm, no, I, I didn't. Oh, uh, I did. And nice guy.
3: <laughs>
4: uh, all right. Remember when you were in the Beatles and uh, you did that album, Abbey Road? And remember that at the very end of that song, he um, sang, uh, and it goes, and in the end, love, you take is equal to the love you make. You remember that? Yep. Is that true? Yes, Chris, in my experience, it is. (laughs) Well, that's it for this week's show. Thank you, Paul, for, God, being one of the greatest I mean, living legend. or, Um, the legend of rock and roll or? And or <laughs> just thanks for being on the show or? God damn it. I hate this. But you want to screw this up? You did fine, Chris. Really, yeah, you were awesome. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Thanks. Remember when when I was telling you about the movie Terminator? Because
2: you really ought to go see that because it's really awesome. They have, uh, like...